your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Really excited about how I hit the post. That was really good. That tells everybody this is going to be a sick show. That's right. That Balloon Party's sick. That's what everybody's saying right now. I can hear it now. Yep. It's 101 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan. Standing across from me, Mr. Hockey. Action Jackson. In the flesh. Uh, Jackson, who did you line up today for the Engineer Design Facilities Blues Playoff Report? Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer for ESPN. Look at you. You're on a heater with these hockey guests. I try my best. Yeah. And he was on, was he on the great Matt Rocchio, former board operator of TMA, now producer extraordinaire of Carriker and Smallman. Wasn't he on with you a couple weeks ago, and that's when he said whoever would win between the Wild and Blues would beat the Avalanche. All right, there you go. Matt Rocchio confirming. And, uh, well, we'll see what he has to say this time. I don't know. Does Tory Krug mean that much to him? Because I don't know if we're going to see him, Jackson. Uh, I was I was talking about this at the outset uh, on TMA, the odds, which we talked about yesterday, and then reading Jeremy Rutherford and TheAthletic.com this morning, they pulled their hockey writers on The Athletic, and 97.2% uh, are taking the avalanche in this series. Now, I know it doesn't mean anything, and I'm just trying to drive that home. And then somebody texted in to try to give a mathematical understanding of things, I think. If the Blues were to beat the avalanche, would it be a bigger upset? And this is going to get Jackson paying attention, because I, I don't know what he's doing over there right now. I wish we were up on television, because it's it's... It's just horrifying and distracting as I deliver what is essentially a monologue here. I'm just reading from the prompter. But I, my chair was kind of wampus. Would this be a bigger upset than Norfolk State beating Missouri? And you were no. just taking a beverage which prepared you for a spit take no. if I could have delivered it more effectively. Well, of course it isn't. No, no. I mean, yeah, as big of a favorite as minus 400 is. I don't know what the number was for yeah. Norfolk State, Missouri, as far as money line goes, but I know that it still is from a point spread standpoint. Yeah. Even more so than Virginia and what was it, UMBC, right? Yeah. Uh, it is the biggest upset in NCAA tournament history yeah. a decade ago, Missouri, Norfolk State. And I'm, I, with, with great confidence, I would say Missouri was at least minus 1,000 and probably more. Well, Colorado's minus 390, minus 400. Right. It's a series now that just one game, you know, that's a big factor. Right. But it was just, just sticking to the odds and the math on it. And it's just not. And I, and I also was saying this, and I realize I'm speaking to a, you know, 95 plus percent St. Louis native audience, Jackson's chair again. <laughs> 
I'm going to give myself an award today for not being distracted by it, even though I've brought it up twice. So you, you want to make it. the case that I have, I have been distracted it. by it. Uh, that I think nationally, I'd like to include Canada, but I don't know how to say it better because I don't think North Americally works. No. But check that while you're <laughs> moving around on that chair. <laughs> that people aren't giving the blues a chance a hell of a lot more than is the case in St. Louis. Now, you could always say, well, of course, the local market is going to give the team more of a chance. But I really, I really think that the Blues are being underrated. I really do. And keep in mind, this is coming from somebody who was certain the Blues were done after Friday night's Game 3 in St. Louis against the Wild. But if anything, it's what I saw in the next three games that make me even more confident, not to say that the Blues will win or the Blues will lose, but that I think that this team's ability to beat this powerhouse that is not even going to get you 2-1 to one on your money to win the Stanley Cup, forget the Blues series, to win the whole Stanley Cup, to win 12 more games with some great teams left out there, uh, that I think that they are being underrated. So I'm anxious to hear what Greg Wyshynski has to say. He's going to join us coming up at 10.15. That will be our Blues. Engineer Design Facilities playoff report coming up at 10.15. Blues and Avalanche pregame, 7.30 p.m. here on 101 ESPN. Can't wait. Jackson, how are you handling your watch party this evening? Well, we're going to kick it Let's off. Let's be honest. So puck drop will be around. What are we talking here? I'm going to actually say 841, 31.5 is my over-under. Okay. Uh, I'll take the over. Going? I'll take the over. Mm. I've, I've been screwed by the under too many times to know that I'm taking the over on that. All right. But we got the uh, Celtics and Heat tipping off at 730, and then we just go right into the Blues game. It should, it should be right around halftime. So that's how you're going to handle it. Yep. And, then, right. and by the time... The Blues' first period is over. We'll be a little bit into the third quarter. It should work out perfectly. Uh, the uh, Battle of Florida is going on at 6 p.m., and uh, I think they'll just flip right on over on TNT from uh, the, the Ning and Panthers to the Blues and Avalanche, and I think we're going to go 841, 31.5. I think that's the sweet spot number. Yeah, I mean, that would be a lot. Just taking 10 minutes from the it's Wild series is just huge. Massive. It's valuable. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, how you can watch it. And, of course, you can listen to it here on 101 ESPN. Listen, the, the focal point of today's show is going to be uh, hockey. And I usually, you know, as Vinny Chase said in Entourage, what do we say on this show? One for me, one, one for, for them. them. One yeah. for me, one for them. Yep. So this is the one for me. And then it's going to be about three minutes of one for me. But I think some people would be interested in this, even if you're not a hardcore golf nerd like I am. The Phil Mickelson book came out today. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was uh, listening to it this morning on Audible from about 5.45 to 6.45 before coming in to do TMA. And, uh, man, it is good. Sometimes you get excited for a book, mm -hmm. and then it lets you down. I don't know if you've had that experience uh, I know Not you often. have, Ledoux, people read to you. Right. right. Um, but uh, I, this this so far already is living up to it. And then it also, of course, ties into the PGA Championship this week and ties into Jack Nicklaus saying he was offered more than $100 million to be what Greg Norman is, whatever it is, for the Saudi golf tour, Live Golf, uh, and the Golden Bear uh. 
turned it down. One hundred million. Now we're just like throwing around money here over the last few years, whether take your pick of wherever it's being thrown around, but it's just being thrown around. The value of the dollar decreasing both with its actual value, but also psychologically. Jack Nicholas. Now I realize the man is older, uh, but that's a hundred million dollars. Insanity. So that's what he turned down uh, to uh, to do that. Uh, but the Mickelson book, major recommendation out of the gate, for real. And, and, and I guess the way I can, it's not like I'm giving anything away, the way that the thing starts out. He's talking with Nicholas, talking with big-time names, both of them, Jim Nance and broadcasting um, about uh, Mickelson. Just like I can tell, Alan Shipnick, the author, said, give me your best Mickelson story, and then people just go. And it's... And Nance tells a story of how they're in the same fantasy football league and Mickelson uh, lost. I won't go into the details of him losing and how he thought it actually wound up impacting his play. Oh, man. Because <laughs> he was so despondent over losing their fantasy football championship. Boy. On, on the final week of the season, he actually thought it impacted his play, which then ties into something that I wonder. And I've made reference to this a little bit. Whether it be Tiger Woods, whether it be Michael Jordan, if you watch The Last Dance, I saw Michelle Smallman uh, tweeting, I think it was Michelle, talking about watching The Last Dance. Uh, would they re-show it last night? Was it just on ESPN? Because I saw Seth Wickersham, who we've had on the show, mm-hmm. was tweeting about it. I don't know if it was I don't on. know. I, yeah, there was a weird like, night where there was like, a big low in sports. So maybe they were showing it, yeah. and, and people talking about, man, it brings, I think Wickersham tweeted, it's, it's, it's weird to watch it without the same feeling that you had in 2020, where it was like the thing. It was like live sports. Thing. Yeah. It was, it was like, the thing. It brought the country together. It yeah. was the thing, because... I really don't even like to think back to then. Yeah, as weird as that sounds, dark times, yeah. But, yeah, but it takes me back to like, oh god. At least in four days, the last dance will be out on Sunday right. night. I mean, that's where we <laughs> Just were. Just clinging on to it. My goodness. Yeah. But premise being, the last dance made it clear, in part autobiographically, with Jordan talking about himself, but then also people talking about it. he just did not like to lose. Right. So here's Phil Mickelson, not even talking necessarily about gambling but fantasy football and losing and how it like messed him up to the point that it impacted his golf. So there's being competitive and then there's what Tiger Woods is. There's what Michael Jordan is. There's what Phil Mickelson is. I think Albert Pujols has some of that. It's an addiction addiction to winning. No, I, 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 yeah, but I think it's, it's something, it's a, you know, the the David Freeze podcast, which at this point <laughs> yes. now is like the Larry David special. It'll never <laughs> see the light of day. It exists. Uh, had the Leafs lo- beat the Lightning, you might have heard it this week, right, actually, yeah, because good point. it ties into Patty Maroon. Uh, but I, I, I remember asking Freeze, I go, you're up there, and this also happened against the Nationals the following year, where the season's on the line. And you're up there, you know, falling off balls before then you come through. And in the case against the Nationals, I think he walked. And obviously, you know what happened against the Rangers. And I'm going to talk about the home run where he fought off pitches and then hit the triple. And they're just, I just really think there are some people who can handle certain things and thrive in certain spots and or are mentally prepared or live for a guy who, Robert Ori. I know this is obscure, but it's NBA, so you'll perk up again. 
that just wanted the ball, want the at-bat in that spot, want the 10-foot putt to win. Yeah. When Tiger Woods had the putt against Rocco Mediate in 2008 at Torrey Pines, and Dan Hicks says, expect anything different, you expected him to make it. Right. There are certain people you expect in that spot. I read an article about Ricky Fowler this morning and how he's been a mess, and he's got a mental coach. That is not a surprise to me. He is a guy who historically had a problem playing with the lead. Yeah. But Albert Pujols, after he had a questionable decision in Game 2 against the Rangers in the 2011 World Series, I was just like, man, this guy's going to do something because people were on him about it. And when people are on him about something, he responds. And what does he do? He hits three home runs in Game 3 of the World Series. And you're like, there he is, right on brand. There's just something about it. Uh, So, with that all said, major recommendation for the Mickelson book. Greg Rosinski is going to join us coming up here in the very next segment, Talking Blues, Talking Avalanche, Talking Stanley Cup playoffs. It's next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for a Blues Playoff Report. Brought to you by Engineered Design Facilities, the number one commercial fire alarm service provider in St. Louis. It's build up. It's like I'm about to take the floor at St. Gabriel's for the seventh grade tournament. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, also known as Mr. Hockey and Hot Love on 101. ESPN, Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson with you. Uh, How about this, Jackson? Uh, From the Air Comfort Service text line, I'm a huge Puck Daddy, Puck Soup fan, and I'm a TMA lemming. The prospect of hearing Tim and Greg together is like Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage teaming up. I guess that makes Jackson the lovely Miss Elizabeth. I don't understand the reference, but I'm happy to just (laughs) just happy to be here. That's a wonderful line. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome to the program Greg Wyszynski. Greg, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I, I hope, I mean, I appreciate the comparison, <laughs> but at some, at some point, the mega powers exploded. Yeah, that, that was an unfortunate. I recall that it was a Saturday night main event and things went sideways with him, didn't it? Well, yeah. Well, did you see what happened? Was uh, Hulk Hogan had lust in his eyes about the, the great Miss Elizabeth, <laughs> and that caused a, a giant schism. So now this whole conversation is getting very awkward. Yeah, because because which one of us is lusting for Jackson? I don't know. It's Jackson. That's going to be the big reveal at the end of the conversation. Yeah, I can't wait to hear. Yeah, I, I, same here. Uh, Greg, thanks so much for joining us. People in St. Louis were all abuzz when you said a couple weeks ago uh, with Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman here on 101 ESPN that you thought whoever would get past uh, the other, the Wild or the Blues, would be able to get past the Avalanche. Now that we are here, do you still have that opinion? Yeah, I'm even more convinced of it now. Because nice. all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Jordan, Jordan Bennington has rediscovered his game. And, and I didn't anticipate that, obviously. I thought if it would be anybody, it would be Billy Huso continuing the play that he had in the regular season in the postseason, but you know, he didn't have the greatest uh, couple of games against the Minnesota wild. They jumped back to Bennington and he looks really locked in, which was again, something I didn't really anticipate. Do I trust it? I mean, in the short term, maybe, I mean, maybe for another series I do. Um, but he's, he's played really, really well. Um, and, and I think they feed off that. The reason I picked uh, either of those teams to beat Colorado is because I felt that they could both in the case of the wild and, and the blues, hang with the Avalanche offensively while also doing the things defensively that they needed to do in order to beat um, the, the, the Avalanche. Now, 
I said that before I realized that the Minnesota goaltending maybe not as good as I anticipated uh, in their series against the uh, St. Louis Blues. But uh, when it comes to the Blues, again, like this is the deepest Blues offensive team we've seen since Brett Hall was scoring 70 goals in the early 1990s. We know about their defensive acumen. The fact that they were winning games without needing the Robert Thomas line to really be an offensive engine, to have David Perron step up and score goals is an indication of that very, uh, that very depth. The only concern I have is the blue line. I'm not in love with it, uh, and obviously the injuries don't help. But right. everything else about this team tells me that they can beat the Avalanche in this round. I, around around the NHL, I get the sense that you are in not only an obvious minority, but I mean you could maybe gather around with a couple other people who cover the NHL, and outside of St. Louis, uh, that would be about it, picking the Blues to win this series, which is fine. I mean, I understand sometimes the, the fans in whatever fan base is the underdog overwhelming underdog that can irritate the fans but why do you think there is this perception around the nhl that this is a layup series for the avalanche or at the very least the avalanche are as big of a favorite as they are and in las vegas they're minus 390 or minus 400 to win the series yeah i mean it's basically like etching their name on the cup uh, during game one i mean it's like it's that much. Look, I think that there, it's a combination of a few things. And we have an article on ESPN.com today, myself and Kristen Shilton, that breaks down what it is that makes the Avalanche look like this juggernaut. And there's a lot of really reasons for it. I mean, like beyond the obvious star power of Nathan McKinnon and, and Kale McCarr, who is right now just doing things we've not seen a defenseman do before. I mean, like he is on a different level insofar as his offensive creativity um, and also brings it on the defensive side in a way that those players sometimes don't. I think we see offensive defensemen as being one-dimensional, and Makar isn't that. But it's also they, they're a sneaky good defensive team. Um, they, they're, they have a really brilliant front office. Uh, it, it's kind of like the Blues where they keep bringing in people that seem to really fit what they do well. Um, and, and there's not a lot of like odd, odd uh, gears in the machine that have to be jettisoned. Um, and so they're really well put together good goaltending. Um, there's a lot of reasons why they're, they're seen as a juggernaut. And I think, you know, when you see a team eviscerate the, uh, the Nashville Predators in four games, albeit against some really substandard goaltending and a team that, frankly, had its spine ripped out of it when UC Soros got hurt, uh, that's going to impress people. And then the other thing about them, too, is that um, there's a long legacy of Stanley Cup bridesmaids right? Like yeah. teams that have bubbled under the surface for a few years, quote unquote, learning how to win. And then when it's their time, I think the market really uh, overvalues yeah. uh, those yeah. teams. I think, I, think the, I think the Leafs were an example in that series against Tampa Bay. Like there was a sense of, okay, this is the year. And then the market kind of overrated them a little bit. And, and I see the same thing happening with the Avalanche, rightly or wrongly. I uh, that 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 gets me into these intangible things, which kind of maybe factors into gambling, or maybe it's a it's a real thing. I want to get your perspective on this. Uh, a few different topics on it. What you just touched on, the learning curve. I feel like if you want to go back to the '90s, the Red Wings. Well, they had to lose in order to finally win. I don't know if you would use the Blues in 2019 as an example, because it's not like they were on the cusp in 2018, but they were in the Western Conference Final in 2016. Take your pick of these teams that were on the verge but didn't get there. Or in the case of the Avalanche, maybe this is the year. So does the experience matter, number one? Does the pressure of being the team that at this point they're plus 180 to win the Cup, you don't even get 2-1 to one on your money, and they still have to win 12 more games, uh, does pressure matter when you are the favorite? We saw here in St. Louis in 2000 a President's Trophy team losing the first round of the Sharks. We saw it uh, three years ago with the Lightning 
playing in the in the Blue Jackets. And then also the fact that the Avalanche have been sitting around for eight days before the puck drops. Of course, the Blues have now been sitting around for a few days as well. Do you see anything to any of those three intangibles that actually have borne out in some kind of manner once the competition actually takes place on the ice, Greg? Well, the sitting around part, I agree with you. I think that's sort of an, a, a, a non-factor here because the Blues have also been on the sidelines. Neither of these teams really carry all that much momentum over from their previous series. I, you know, I, I think the one that definitely carries the most water historically in the Stanley Cup playoffs is the uh, sense of impending doom <laughs> from teams that have that have failed to, to advance as far as they, the expectations were. Um, you know, I covered the Washington Capitals for a long time in D.C. The Ovech- during the Ovechkin years before they won the Cup. And you could feel the tension in the building when things weren't going weren't going right in the playoffs. Like it's a it's a palpable thing to the point where yeah. the general manager would would discuss you know openly that that sense that that feeling in the air that that uh, that things aren't going right. And when you're a team that's favored this heavily and has not been to a championship round during Nathan McKinnon's time there, um, I think if you if you put a little adversity on them, if all of a sudden they find themselves down in a series heading back to like a game five, let's say. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be one of those things where now you've got a confident veteran team with, with a bunch of bling, blingy cup rings taking out a team that hasn't won yet and, and the dynamic shifts. With the Blues experience, I feel like we saw that play out over the course of the series against Minnesota. I really thought they were done when Krug got hurt and they were down 2-1 and Minnesota had that skeletal Blues defense to contend with on Sunday afternoon in Game 4 in St. Louis. But that's when Bennington came in, that's when Perunovic came back, and we saw the Blues come to life and then win three straight against Minnesota. I'm just curious... uh, because we obviously didn't talk to you over that weekend. What were you thinking following game three of the Blues and Wild? Were you thinking that the Blues were done, or do you think that this was uh, going to be something they were going to be able to overcome? No, I picked Minnesota in the series. I thought I thought the Wild were the, were the better team uh, coming into it on paper. I, I didn't anticipate them having the problems that they had in goal where Fleury simply did not bring it the way that I thought he would. Uh, and then they, they I mean, they kind of messed up, to be honest. With you. Like, I, I think Dean, Dean Evison's a really good coach, but I think that he mismanaged his goaltending in that series because I, I certainly would have given the game one start to Cam Talbot and then had Flurry coming out of the bullpen because that's what Flurry does really well. Mm. Um, and, and so I, I didn't anticipate that happening. Um, and, and I didn't anticipate the Blues really uh, being able to control play as much as they did against a team that I think likes to play with the puck a little bit. So I, I was impressed by it. With regards to the other series around the NHL, uh, I mean, everything is going to be getting underway here tonight. The Battle of Florida tonight, the Battle of Alberta tomorrow night. you got the Rangers and the uh, Hurricanes. Is is there anyone that you view as being a substantial favorite the way Las Vegas is viewing Colorado a substantial favorite? One that you feel with a good sense of confidence is going to emerge from their respective series. Yeah, that's the Carolina Hurricanes against the Rangers. I covered the Rangers series against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh owned them at five-on-five in that series. I think Pittsburgh advances in that series if Sidney Crosby doesn't get hurt in game five. Uh, And and the Rangers went seven games against a team that was playing an American Hockey League goalie for five games. (laughs) Let's let's be honest. I mean, I think the Rangers are really good uh, and have the potential to be really good. their, Their power play is amazing, but yet they're going up against the best penalty kill in the regular season. Their goalie, Igor Shachurkin, is amazing, and yet he's given up, you know, four-plus goals in three of the uh, four games, uh, in three games against the Penguins. So, like, I, it wouldn't shock me if the Rangers won, to be honest with you. Like, they, they're they a pesky team. 
But the on-paper advantages that Carolina has at five-on-five play, the way that they play offensively, and more importantly, the way they play on home ice. My God, they were the best defensive team in the NHL at home during the regular season and just completely owned the Bruins uh, in those games in Raleigh. So not only do I think it's a lopsided series, I think it's a pretty quick series. Yeah, that's one that it feels like there's a home ice advantage, and then the numbers bear it out that there is indeed a home ice advantage, as you made reference to with those defensive statistics. Greg Wyshynski with us here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Uh, Taking a look at uh, where things stand for the Blues overall, I'm curious from a macro standpoint. I mean, here they are. They're about to start a series with this heavy favorite uh, to win the Stanley Cup. But you made reference to what Bennington did in the series against Minnesota. I think going into this series, even though certainly people weren't talking about it, I'm sure inside the Blues organization they were wondering, man, how are we going to handle this goaltending situation? We've got a spot here. We're committed to Jordan Bennington, but he's kind of lost his game. With what Jordan Bennington has done against the Wild, and we'll see what plays out against Colorado, has this, in a sense, solved the Blues goaltending situation for 2022-2023 and that they can recommit to Jordan Bennington, who really wasn't their guy for the last couple of months? How do you analyze the Blues goaltending situation going forward whenever this run comes to an end, Greg? It's fascinating, isn't it? It kind of reminds you a little bit Pittsburgh went through with Marc-Andre Fleury, right, where you had a goalie uh, that was a bit of a veteran who, um, you know, won cups with them, and and then all of a sudden you had Matt Murray on the scene, and, and Matt Murray's the future, and you're wondering if you, you keep them both around, and then they end up, you know, putting Fleury in Vegas, and look what happened there. Um, it's, it's, it's a conundrum because, you know, within the organization, I know they've always viewed Billy Huso as, as the guy, like, even before Bennington emerged, he was the guy that they looked at and said, this could be our franchise goalie. And it didn't come immediately, but then it came this season, I think, in a pretty significant way. Mm-hmm. Um, one X factor here, I think, for the Blues that they should consider is you have a goalie in Bennington who's a proven starter. He's under contract for multiple seasons. And you have a league right now where you might be able to get some real value back <laughs> if you try to trade this guy um, because there is such a need for starting goaltending in this league right now that I, I wonder if there isn't an opportunity to really sell high on him after this postseason, if you really believe that, that Huso can be the guy going forward. If you don't, then you keep him around. But if you, if, you, if you think that this is sort of just a good last run, then maybe you sell high on him this, this offseason because I think there'd be a lot of value there. Speaking of trades, at the start of the year, Vladimir Tarasenko asked for one. The Blues didn't do it. Uh, certainly they were trying, but it didn't happen. And now look at the results. What do you think they will do in the offseason with 91? I mean, it's what he wants to do, right? I mean, if, if, if they still wants out, then you have to imagine there's going to be some movement there. And if nothing else, this season has shown that uh, he's healthy and that he's productive and, and there's going to be a lot of teams that were scared off last off season uh, that wouldn't even take him say in an expansion draft right. uh, <laughs> that, that are going to be much more um, into uh, acquiring him. I think this off season, if that relationship is still soured, I've, I've looked into it a few times. I'm not quite sure where it stands. I think it's hard to really get a gauge on it because winning does solve everything and, and being on a productive line and really finding your stride kind of like puts everything on the back burner. But it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me to see if we have to revisit some of that conversation uh, in this offseason. Final question for you. I feel like around the league, Doug Armstrong and the job he's done with the Blues, and just in hockey in general, uh, is greatly appreciated. I think that there is a greater appreciation for Craig Berube now than 10 days ago, even though he, of course, <laughs> led the Blues to a cup. And you made reference to Dean Evason and some of the, the missteps he made, perhaps, with the goaltending situation, whether it be starting Flurry 
just to start or the going to Talbot in Game 6 as opposed to Game 5. Take your pick. But you feel like Berube may have played a big role in winning that series. What is the perception around the NHL of Craig Berube, in your opinion, Greg? Well, I don't know. I think you're right that in, in some times in the last year, it, it seemed tenuous. It seemed like, you know, is this guy going to be able to stay in this gig uh, just because of some middling results for the Blues since they won the Cup? But it's hard to look at this team and not think that Craig Ruby has done a heck of a job. One, managing the roster, figuring out what pieces fit, understanding what the lines should should look like. I mean, you know, moving Jordan Cairo around the lineup, for example, yeah. things of that nature. Um, uh, managing the goalies, uh, getting this team through some injury and, and other absences during the season. I think he's done a really good job. And then I don't know if you put the offense on him or not, but I mean, again, like you're talking about a Blues team that is an offensive team that I don't think, you know, when you talk about the St. Louis Blues, I mean, like I said, you got to go all the way back to Oates and Hull to find a team that was this good offensively, um, which I think is a tribute to Doug, but I, I think also a tribute to maybe some change in, in, uh, in tactics for, for Berube as well. Greg Wazinski, you can read his piece along with Kristen Shilton today on ESPN.com detailing why the Avalanche are the NHL's postseason juggernaut on ESPN.com. Greg, a pleasure to be joined with you here on the show. Thank you so much for the time. Anytime. And, yeah, juggernaut for everybody except for me, apparently. So, uh, <laughs> That's right. You're on the blues. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Take care. Take it Thanks, easy. Greg. That's Greg Wazinski with us here on 101 ESPN. So I am Macho Man. Yeah. He is Hulk Hogan, and you're the lovely Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. Yep. And well, that mean those references mean nothing to you. Just so nothing. Right. Well, you know who Hulk Hogan is. Sure. Do you know who the Macho Man is? Randy Savage. Okay, you know his name, but do you know who he is? A wrestler. Okay. Like if I pulled the pictures of wrestlers, you'd be able to identify him. Maybe Hulk Hogan. So therefore, that means no to the Macho Man. No, I wouldn't. Uh, I would. I could recognize his voice because he. Who? Which one does the brother thing? Macho Man. Okay, yeah, I'd recognize his voice. Although Hulk Hogan goes brother as well. We, then I would at least get a one out of two. All right. What about the lovely Miss Elizabeth? Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. It was his valet. Mm. Was never into wrestling. All right. Well, you're the lovely Miss Elizabeth. Feels good. Just happy to be here, really. <laughs> 101 ESPN will be on site at the Enterprise Center before Game 3 and Game 4. Uh, Jackson will be there, but he'll be watching the Heat game on his phone. If you've got tickets and you're headed Enterprise for either Game 3 this Saturday night or Game 4 on Monday, make sure to get there early to enjoy the Bud Light Happy Hour pregame party in the Anheuser-Busch Beer Garden. Beginning two hours prior to puck drop, enjoy live music, food and drink specials, and stop by the 101 ESPN table to get registered to win a signed Blues jersey. 7 o'clock start, Colorado Avalanche, Saturday night in St. Louis. Let's get fired Beautiful up. Beautiful weather. Let's get fired up. I mean, let's do this. Let's get fired up. Man, that sounds good. That does sound good. Yeah. I'd like, incredible. listen, here's the deal. We want. We all want, well, I mean, I don't know how many people in Denver or Avalanche fan, assuming you're a Blues fan, you'd like to win too. But let's be honest with ourselves here. 1-1 going into Saturday night. I'm I'm in a good place. Absolutely, that's where I am. You can neutralize home ice against that team. Win both of them, wonderful. Oh man! But one one, I will take. Yeah, that's what I will. Honestly, I'll be fine. Just from a Saturday night Blues Avalanche second round series, even if it's 0-2, it's not going to be pouting. Right. But give me one one, and I will be happy. I give might be pouting. Up. You will be pouting. Yeah, I'll pout. Why will you? Why? Will, oh my! I want to neutralize home ice. Prince, why will you be the pout pout fish? <laughs> I want I want neutralized home ice, and I want the Blues coming back 
even even or up 2-0. That'd be great. Oh, wow. Okay. And if not, I'm going to pout. So I hope they're, I hope the note are hearing this. I hope <laughs> yeah, the fellows hear this. sure they're streaming <laughs> all arena right now as we speak. You can text in 65780. Leave a mic drop. Presented by Ryan O'Shield. People insist they do. Others believe that Jackson's censoring them. I don't know what the truth is. They don't allow me to touch the mic drops here. Right. Yeah. Well, like I said, just <laughs> we come in here and try not to break anything. That's exactly so. right. And we do. Yeah. And well, by that means I think we the break chair, things. I think the chair might be broken. You can uh, send yours in 65780. That is how you can text into the show Air Comfort Service text line. This time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. It's 1038. And I mean, that means I'm like 30 minutes late for a break, right? Yeah. We'll take a break. It's Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Oh, this is where the... Yeah, they, they come and get the us. The killer is yep. approaching. This is where they come and get us. 101 ESPN, Tim McKernan with you. Till the top of the hour, then it's BK and Ferrario. Action Jackson is known as Mr. Hockey, and he is preparing you for the Blues and the Avalanche night. Pre-game at 7.30 p.m. right here on 101 ESPN. Let's do it. Hey, now through next Friday, those limited edition Dunk CD 16 t-shirts are only available to order for a few more days now through Friday. May 20th, you can order this year's CD16 t-shirt in honor of Dunk. Proceeds from all sales going to support the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. Check out that limited edition Dunk t-shirt and order yours now at 101 ESPN. Uh, I don't know I don't know if this is good news or bad news, Jackson, for the audience. We'll but uh, me and you will not be on Balloon ah, Party yes. Thursday, Friday, or Monday. Right. Yep. We are... Uh... We're going to be at a golf tournament for Thursday and Friday. That's right. Um, Monday we're off. So I think the audience is really going to miss us. You know, I I think it's going to be like, you know, they like to joke around and say like, oh, you guys suck or, you know, Mr. Hockey sucks. But like. Right. We get a lot of those. And BK and Ferrari are awesome. Randy and Michelle are awesome. So you'll be just, you'll be in great hands for the 10 to 11 hour. But, you know, don't be afraid to let us know that you miss us. Yeah, contact Jackson directly. He's going to give out his his number here momentarily. (laughs) Uh, Guys, are we sure the Cardinals are in New York and the Blues are in Colorado? That's from the 417. Did you you say they were in the wrong locale again? No. I wasn't paying attention, to be real honest, while you were doing the update. The Redbirds are in Queens. Twin Bill. Twin Bill, doubleheader today. Shouldn't have been rained out last night. They could have played that. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then the Blues are playing in Denver. And I said both of those things. Now, talk to me like game five. (laughs) We'll see. And that's when you start to get confused. They start moving games around. It's the back and forth thing. I mean, it's a pretty easy formula. Yeah. 2-2-1-1-1. I think if like, you know, sometimes you get in the moment, sometimes the adrenaline gets running and you just... When you get over one of these sports center updates, right? It's like a, it's like an eight foot putt. You could probably make it half of the time, but you know that means half of the time you're missing it. Well, fifty percent of the time, PGA Tour pros miss a seven footer or longer putt. Did right. you know that? Did you know that? Think about that. Really, when you're in match play. That's a fun fact for no uh, no and tell. Guys, I miss you already. Oh See? my gosh! See, I'm telling you. You don't know who Miss Elizabeth is. That's like saying you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but don't know what jelly is. That's from the 314. Bad analogy. No. You don't work? Swing and a miss. You do not like that analogy. No. What about sensational sherry? You see, uh, this is a great alliteration, but I don't understand the reference. (laughs) 
Hey, uh, we are coming off of this weekend with Game 7's galore, both in the Stanley Cup playoffs and also in, as Jackson calls it, the association. And then that led Jackson to posing the query, my favorite Game 7 of all time. When you think of one, what is your favorite Game 7 of all time? I want to do one that I was like alive for and like remember watching in the moment because I'm sure I'm positive that there are better Game 7s throughout the history, but... I mean, I, I I think people know that it's going to be here we go the hoop rock here we go and it's going to be heat Why it's going to be it always have to be this it's going to be heat Spurs when Ray Allen hit the corner three and the Heat made that incredible comeback and that was my favorite game seven okay I can't believe that this is going to happen but a that was are we talking 2013 was that game six and it was game six ah, okay. Um, then my favorite six, game five, is seven, eight, zero, and you still have time to leave a mic drop. Well, I and I will read all of your texts right now. Just try to stay within the FCC parameters. Sure, sure. I have two children. Uh, game seven, then. Hmm. Trying to think. So your favorite game seven of all time was a game, was a game six. six. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to throw something across the studio. Oh, honestly. please do. Yeah, uh, there's a roll of toilet paper in here. What goes oh, on here a, after hours? That's a perfect. That's a perfect tossing. Yeah, but then it's gonna stream, and then I gotta clean it up. Right. Well, I'll take care of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. You go first. <laughs> Give me some time. I got. How, how about this one? Ass hat. Yeah. 2019 Blues Bruins in Boston. Is that reasonable? Yeah, that's how pretty about good. 2019 Blues Stars? Patty Maroon, hometown hero. I would take that one over the. Bruins just because when they the, won the chalice. I just because what the, are we doing in here? Just because the game was we should better. be on HD five at this point. You can watch me now. Close the text line. Um, the game seven against Dallas was a better. Is game. this performance art? Are you no. doing? Are you doing a character? Trust me, it is not. Um, the game seven against Dallas was a better hockey game. Like game seven against Boston was way cooler because they won the cup. But the game seven against Dallas is double overtime. Like tough to compete with. I'm going to accept that. Your credibility is blown up when you when you come in here is, you know, Michael Wilbon with the NBA takes <laughs> and then you're like, Love "Oh, best Wilbon. game 7 of all time in any sport." Sure, Ray Allen from the corner. I have to go with it. Oh, you mean the game 6-3 against the Spurs in 2013? I really thought that was a game 7. 6 forced a game 7. And the fact that I know that is Concerning. It really, I feel like there needs to be a post-show meeting for the first time in the history of my radio career. Uh, guys, Mr. Hockey is an absolute fool. I enjoy the show. Thanks. That's from the 636. Hey, this is a great answer. And it's kind of obscure. And Jackson, I understand you not knowing this one because you, it's seven years before your birth. Sure. Taking out my local biased 1991 World Series Game 7. Big time agree with that. Now, there are others that I would include in there. But if you're going to go non-local... Um, that is a that World Series '91. The 2001 Diamondbacks Yankees was pretty sick. Obviously, the 2011 World Series was great. The Game Seven was rather lackluster, relatively speaking. Even though the Rangers jumped out to a lead on the Cardinals. Uh, guys, can we change it now to Mr. Basketball since he doesn't know hoops either? That's from the 618. Yeah, that stings. Um... Have you? Have you? I've given. I've given you. I've given you a number of choices now. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with, uh, and it's, we're going to stick with the hoop rock. And this one I'm positive. This was a game two in the first round between the Nuggets and Sonics when the yeah, Kemi Mutombo shocked Sean Kemp. That would have probably been, it could have been an AI Mellow team. Um, no, I'm going to go with the, tw- the 2016 finals. LeBron takes, basically single handedly takes them all the way back. 
that one will be acceptable. Yeah. First off, it, number one, it was a game, <laughs> game seven. seven. Right. I remember because it was in Golden and State. And number two, I think even people who loathe the NBA are right. at least aware that that existed. It included the probably the most iconic block in NBA history when LeBron chased down Andre Iguodala. Uh, the 92 NLCS Braves and Pirates, Sid Bream. Sliding, you've probably seen highlights of that over and over again. Spanky Lavalier, the tag is late. Andy Van Slyke had just told Barry Bonds to move up a little bit, mm. and Bonds waved him off. Andy has told me that story. It's good entertainment. Was the Mariners winning that game? That where... was a game five. It was a okay. best of five. It was a best 95. of five. Vince, so that doesn't count Vince technically. That but team. that was a that was a. Great well, it doesn't ending. count because it wasn't a game seven. But it was a, it was a, it was a winner go home. I game. mean, my rules are fairly loose, but it does have to be a game seven. My favorite Game 7 was when Ray Allen hit from the corner. Oh, in Game 6, but we'll count it anyway. What about Edgar Renteria against uh, the then Cleveland Indians, 97? I know that's before your time. I'm having a conversation at this point with the audience. If you get, like, from 2004 on, I'll remember. All right, what's your favorite give a fine? I mean, you still said the 2013 game six. Though. That was a great game. I mean, I mean, just and the fact that Miami fans. I've decided like this is performance art, and Jackson is playing the role of Jim Carrey, playing the role of Andy Kaufman from 10 to 11. I wish. And I finally figured it out five months into the show. That's oh. what I have decided. Probably more pleasant to be around. This is a good obscure one that tied into the Blues run. 2019 NHL Western Conference first round, Sharks and Golden Knights, and that's when the Sharks got that. Bizarre power play. Oh, I know what you're talking about. You actually about. do know what yeah, I'm talking I about? Do, I do. Because I remember that that power play was it was like a phantom call or something. VGK was up 3 nothing with 10 minutes left in the game. Yeah, I remember that. That was oh Cody Aiken cross checking Joe Pavelski. And it turned into this five minute major and game misconduct. The call was bad. And, uh, and then the Sharks wound up coming back and winning 4-3. to three. Might have been a good thing for the Blues. Hell, I don't know. I think the Blues would have beaten VGK, too. But obviously, they shipped the Sharks. All right, uh, we got to take a break. I'm sure I'm just operating on assumption <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Uh, you are listening to a show in which we talk about our favorite Game 7s that may or may not be Game 7s on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, it's a shame the show is coming to a close for today because I could read texts for the next three hours and just giggle here. That's what I would do. I'd giggle. Uh, guys, my favorite game seven was Tatis hitting two grand slams in the same inning. What? That wasn't even a playoff game? Oh, well, it's still my favorite game seven. Yeah. No, that was a great game. It might have been a game seven. A game seven. It was in April or May in Los Angeles in 99. You can just, you know, if, you you feel, just if it's a great it game, I'm just going to start calling it Game 7. Like if the Blues win in double overtime tonight, great Game 7 victory. Blues up one nothing. You'll hear it in the Sports Center update. I'm going to oh, die on this hill if I have to. Unbelievable. Uh, well, uh, BK and Ferrari are up next, uh, and they will they will also talk about their favorite Game 7s. Yep. <laughs> maybe they will, maybe they will not. Uh, I've enjoyed the presentation. Thank you to Greg Wyshynski for joining us. Uh, I am Randy Macho Man Savage. He's Hulk Hogan. You're lovely Miss Elizabeth, but you have no idea who she is. Right. Miss Elizabeth here. And uh, NBA expert here on 101 ESPN, Jackson Burkett, gave his favorite Game 7 of all time, which was the Game 6 NBA Finals between the Heat and the Spurs. And this you could have used any game. I don't know. Yeah, in hindsight. I mean, any sport. It wasn't like, hey, I know the Blues are going to play the Avalanche tonight, but while we're on the topic, what's your favorite Game 6 in NBA history? Well, it wouldn't have no, been very... It was Game 7 of any sport. And I'm like, you know, the Blues won the Cup in 7 three years ago. 
No, I want the game six of the Spurs and Heat. I thought it was on brand. It is on brand. I agree with that. Time for us to shut it down. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.